Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Spurs 82 Plus Podcast. I'm your host, CJ, and with me again is my brother, TJ. Hey guys. Yeah, JD couldn't be here again, but we're actually getting out on time, so I think we'll call this one a win. What do you think? Yep. Alright, so today we're going to talk about the uh, Spurs-Mavericks game, uh, preview the Spurs-Timberwolves game that's coming up next, and then talk about some whatever else comes to mind. So, uh, to start off, what do you think of that game, man? It was a standard game, I guess, when it comes to facing a team that's pretty much weaker than you. I mean, we didn't really blow them out like the Bulls game. Uh, it was actually much closer than uh, I thought it was going to be. Though, I think that's part of the, partly because it was such a, how do I say it? Sporty game? Not sporty, sporty. And by that I mean the offense and the defense came out in sports for both teams. Sometimes one team would have a bu- would like miss no shots and the other team couldn't st- get a stop to save their lives. Then the fortunes would reverse. Then other times both teams could make every single shot they take and their defenses suck. And then other times no one could buy a bucket to save their lives. In the end, the Spurs were able to get both their offense and defense clicking in the fourth quarter and that's really what made the difference in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. It was just one of those games where, like, nothing could go right for chunks of time, and then, like, everything was going right for chunks of time. It was kind of ugly, and then sometimes really awesome. It was just weird. Um, I got the box score here. Let's take a brief look at that. You know how there are times, I've mentioned this before, where you're watching a game, and you're like, man, this guy's not really having that good of a game, and then you look at their stat sheet, like, right afterwards, or when they flash it up at the end of the game, and you realize... How'd this guy get this many points, or this many rebounds, or this many assists, etc., etc.? Well, that was LaMarcus Aldridge this game, and by a huge chunk. I was like, he's kind of having an off game. 32 points, 12 of 21, 8 of 10 from the free throw line. Off game, bro? Well, at the time, it kind of looked like it, because I, I couldn't really think of any shots that were really memorable. Well, it's because he did all the little things. He... he Worked well in the rotation. He made sure to play well in defense. He made sure to crash the glass. Like, he had, like, the entire team has been... That's something I want to mention after we finish this. Because I feel like the team... This team has been a rebounding team, which we're going to go into detail later. But Marcus is one of those people who has been rebounding heavily, like the rest of the team. Uh, getting lots of second and third chances, which is... When, and he's making them, by the way. Which is why, it you know, his points go up. Uh, he's just able to get that jumper in exactly where he wants it to be, and he's able to, you know, work well in the post, even when they have good post defenders on him. Uh, and really, he just is doing everything. Yes, he did start out a little slow, honestly. Uh, he didn't really get going until, I think, halfway through the second quarter. But after that, he just would just be slowly, silently making his shots and getting points. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Patty Mills had a... Really good game, I should say. It, it it was very much shades of seeing him starting to, you know, get back. He's not quite there yet, but he's getting there, and I, it was good to see that from him. Why? Because he truly embodied this game. He started out not making any shots, then all of a sudden he came alive in the second quarter. Then he went back to making nothing, and then came alive in the fourth quarter, and yeah, that he pretty much embodied this game. Dead, alive, dead, alive. Yeah, yeah, so that's good to see from him. Um, You know someone who had a really good game? Managed nobly. Yeah, he had very limited minutes this game. He didn't play until the second half. 
yeah, he only played like 16 minutes, which is a little bit, but not a whole lot when you compare it to like Danny Green, who played 26, or Powell playing 23. Or Kyle Anderson, who played like, what, 31? 33 minutes, actually. 33, wow. It might Kyle as well have been 34. It was 33-54. Yeah, Kyle played a lot. And he played, well, I think he played relatively well with the amount of minutes he got. Yeah, Kyle's, Kyle got seven points. He didn't really, um, what's it called? The stuff he did well wasn't so much stuff that would show up on the stat sheet. I mean, he did get eight rebounds and, you know, three assists, two blocks, and a steal. And he didn't turn over the ball at all. So it was the little things that Kyle did this time around that really... Only in those minutes? Yeah, especially because they're definitely holding uh, Manu and some other guys off a bit for the Timberwolves game, which... Should be a lot harder. Yeah. Um. I did something I noticed was that uh Joffrey returned this game, which is good because it's always good to have another player back. Uh, he was clearly rusty because he w- didn't play very well in my opinion. He didn't play very long either. Only four minutes fifty three seconds. Yeah. So he's coming up. You know, he's coming off the injury. It's gonna. It's all. It's always gonna. When you come off an injury, it's either one of two things. Either you come back amazing, or you have to ease yourself back in. And I think for Joffrey, he's gonna have to be eased in. Yeah, I'm, I've been a bit disappointed in Bertans, Davis. He he played like five minutes, and he didn't really do much. He wasn't a net negative, but it wasn't really a positive either. He was just kind of there. Yeah, sadly with Davis, it's one of those things where like, unless he is shooting lights out, there's no real reason for him to be on the floor because his defense just isn't there yet. He still needs to, you know, work at that. Like once he can actually get his defense to be solid, and he'll be able to actually be able to shoot uh, more, uh, accurately, I guess. I mean, like, not that he's not accurate from deep. He's amazing from deep when he gets it going. But it just seems like him getting it going is just too sporadically, I mean. Like, it, he needs to be able to do it on a more consistent basis. So once he can get more consistency and knocking down the shots and be able to defend solidly, then I think he'll be able to get more minutes. But until then, this is the role he's going to have. Yeah, I thought Brandon Paul should have gotten more minutes. He only got about 10. I felt he should have gotten a little more. They're saving him for the Timberwolves. Yeah, I was going to say, because he was playing pretty well from what I saw. I really enjoyed his defense. Yeah, but that we need that for the Timberwolves. Right. Um, Rudy Gay had an off game, which is reflected in his minutes. He only played 16 minutes. Yeah. That's probably why Anderson was out there as long as he was, because, you know. Yeah, limiting, limiting Rudy's minutes. So, yeah, I hope he gets better and does well uh, tonight. Um, Brim Forbes, I was expecting a little more from him, but he wasn't too bad either. You know, just growth and whatnot. Just, you know, just a solid learning second year player. That's, he did what he needed to do, and he did it well. He, I mean, would we love for him to go off again from deep? Of course, I would love to see that, but, you know, you can't do it every game, and hey, at least he contributed. And he played some good defense, too. Like, there was this one time where one of the pl- – I can't remember which player it was. I think it was Ma- uh, Wesley Matthews, I believe, uh, was trying to post him up, and he was fronting him from preventing him from getting the ball, which led to him getting a really bad possession, which led to him the shot. So I see, I'm glad to see that uh, Forbes' defense is starting to improve. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Powell had an off game. He only had two points, did not shoot very well, but he got 10 rebounds and four assists, so, you know, he's – He's doing the, the good things that you need him to do. Being big and knowing how to play. Exactly, and against this team, that, that did help. Um, let's see, DeJounte Murray did pretty well. He uh, had 10 points, 7 rebounds, no turnovers. That's always a good sign. Always a good sign. 
and then Danny Green had an off game. His three-point shot wasn't there, and he really wasn't able to get to the lane. But his defense was on point. One block, two steals. Yeah. So, you know, that's it's always good to count on that, and that's why he's that's why we pay him the big bucks. Let's be honest. We don't pay him for his offense. His offense is just a bonus. Yeah, I'm glad that DeJounte is playing about as well as he played as a starter on the bench because it showed it's showing that that uh, he's not phased at all by coming off the bench and that he's doing just as well. So I'm glad about that. Right. I'd be interested to see them uh, maybe switch back to DeJounte starting and Patty coming off the bench once Patty has a um, has a shot back, has a better rhythm going. I'd, I'd be curious to see if that would make us better or if it's just better to have Patty start until Tony comes back. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, that was that game. It was it was it was all right. I mean, ninety seven ninety one's not the score you would hope for, but if you're gonna have a stinker of a game in terms of offense, doing it against the Mavericks is probably where you want it to be. Yeah, I will say that uh, the feed we watched because somebody forgot to record the game. Sorry, we ended up watching our feed from the uh, Mavericks um, commentators, which I I will say they were actually pretty good. They were obviously they were the Mavericks homers, but they. They called it out when the way they saw it. If it was a good play by San Antonio, they acknowledged it. If it was a bad foul, they acknowledged it. Like there was this one foul that Powell got, despite the fact that he got all balled. That they said, "Hey, Powell got a lot of love on that one." Don't know why they got the call, but hey, as Mavs fan, I'm happy. And they also would, you know, point out, you know, things that that uh, maybe the Mavs did wrong or that they got away with. So I'm always happy to see when home commentators don't. You know, don't always blindly, um, you know, say that their team's the best and everything their team does is all right. I'd like them when homers point out the, uh, you know, the, uh, try to be a little bit more unbiased. I agree. Biased. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they were actually a, a little, they were less biased than usually Sean Elliott and Bill Landar. I, I think I would agree. And I think that just has to do with the fact that, you know, Sean Elliott was a member of the team. You know, for most, if not all of his career, he only spent one year away from the Spurs on, I think, the Pistons. Yeah. And so because of that, you know, he he's a true Spur. He won a championship with the Spurs. So because of that, you know, I mean, he's never, you know, he's always been open about it. And he will also do those things you, you uh, explained as well. Like when he sees a foul that we totally got away with, he would straight up say, yeah, uh, let's not see that again. We don't want to give the refs any ideas. And I, I like that for that, but, you know, that's his style, and I like it very much. But I could also see why that could – I could see how that could get a little grading to, like, the opposing players team. Yeah. If they were watching the Spurs. And the Mavs didn't have that. They were very much more, like, traditional. I mean, they were still totally Mavericks. Yeah. Like, which you should be. I honestly think that Homer commentary is something that needs to stay. I don't think it should ever go to the lengths of the Houston Rockets. I think that's when you go too far. Yeah. I think – um. Sean Elliott is honestly where you can, as far as you can go in terms of being super homer. I think yeah. if you go any farther than Sean Elliott, it gets too grating. Yeah. Um. But I do think that homer commentary being geared towards the home team is a thing that should happen, especially for the local broadcasts, because most of the people who are watching these games are fans of that team, so they want to hear it from that perspective, especially in the smaller markets like, you know, like Milwaukee or like, um. Shoot, I was going to say OKC, but they get a lot of media coverage. But, you know, those kind of places to help really feel, you know, like your team matters, at least to you, you know? Yeah, I, I totally get that. Uh, one of the best homework commentators I, uh, I've heard that everyone always talks about is the Kings. 
Oh yeah, the, the Kings are great, and they're definitely uh, the best you can be on that side of the unbiased spectrum. Yeah. I just think if you could call a fault for them, and even then, this is very nitpicky when they only really matter to true hardcore diehard Kings fans, is that they're almost too unbiased. They almost don't prop up the Kings enough. Well, maybe it's just because the selection moments you're seeing, because I, for some moments I've seen, they do prop up the Kings. They do, like, whenever the Kings do something amazing, they always try hype it up as, like, the best team ever. No, yeah, but, but it, it's very much... Some of this might just be the state of the Kings as a whole. Maybe it's just because the franchise itself is kind of in a... They kind of suck. So it's like, well, there's not much you can say great about your team when even you know they suck, you know? Yeah, I think that's really what you're, what you're catching up on, is that they just... Because their team isn't very good right now, there's not really much for them to hype up. They're in rebuilding, and they know it. Right, but yeah, I enjoyed watching the, the Mavericks feed. I do still prefer watching the San Antonio feed, but I I wouldn't mind if I had to watch the Mavericks feed again. I wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah, me neither. But I, of course, because we're sports fans, we always want to see the sports feed. Yeah. Okay, Um, is there anything else going on around the league you want to talk about? Uh, The Rockets lost to the Raptors. Wow, really? Yeah. That's cool. I mean, the Raptors usually lose to the good teams, don't they? Yeah, but... That's why I want to talk about. It. It's interesting. I didn't. We we didn't see the game. We just saw that they lost to the Raptors. That the Rockets lost to the Raptors, which is interesting. What was the score on that? I can't remember. I just know that the Raptors won, and that the seeding is now Golden State one, Rockets second, uh, Spurs third. They lost by one twenty nine, one thirteen. Oh, DeRozan went off. That's why he had twenty seven points, six rebounds, and five assists. Oh yeah, and Chris Paul should be returning soon. And that's probably. You know, not a moment too soon for Rockets fans. They're like, oh, thank God, so we can get that loss behind us. But will Woody help them? Like, we because, shall see. Because they have to reintegrate him, and then they still, because he of how early he went out, because he went out pretty early in the season. Remember when we had that big, it was like episode two of the podcast, when we, had, we talked about the big, you know, everyone's getting injured thing? Yeah. So... Will that because he's been out for a while, even though the Rockets are doing well, now they're gonna have to reintegrate him. We already see what's going down with the Thunder trying to integrate their two superstars. Will we see some of that with the Rockets when they're trying to reintegrate Chris Paul, despite the fact he hasn't been integrated to begin with? That will be interesting. I don't know to be honest, because the way Harden and Paul play, they could easily be complementary, but at the same time I don't know if James Harden's gonna want a ball hog. Or if he's going to want to be an off-ball guy. That's the thing. He's done both. And he's done well at both. So I honest to God don't know. It could go either way. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I will reserve judgment as to whether or not it'll still be a right away thing. I mean, all we're going to pretty much say is what we always said about the preseason. Because that's really what we're going to see again. We're going to see the things that we should have seen at the beginning of the season. But haven't been able to do the injuries. Which, I mean... On one hand, this is a good thing for Chris Paul because he always gets injured every season, so hopefully it goes out of the way early. But it's also a bad thing because it still proves one thing, that Chris Paul is still injury-prone. And he has been injured multiple times in seasons before, so it'll be interesting to see. And of course, why are we talking about this? Because it affects the Spurs. Because if Chris Paul is still injured, or gets injured again, well, that affects seeding. That affects who plays who. Right. Um. Something I really quickly want to talk about because I didn't realize it was that big of a deal during the Mavs games. Uh, 
there was a spot where Kyle Anderson sold contact, and people have called it a flop, and I can kind of see where that would come from. But uh, Kyle kind of said it himself on Twitter, uh, there's a difference between flopping and embellishing the call. One is blatant trying to get a call when there's no contact. The other is selling the contact. While I do think that they do need to reel back on those kind of things, we're in the state in the league right now where if you don't sell it, you don't get the call. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how you fix that. That's one of those things where you'd have to like make a concerted effort and change the rules as such. But until then, you know, I'm ki- I'm fine with it. And of course, I'm a Spurs fan, so I'm going to be behind him even if I disagree with it because that's how sports work. Manu was one of the progenitors of flopping hard, so... Exactly. I mean, we're the guys who will still stick up for Bruce, Bo- Bruce Bowen when everyone else is like, man, screw that guy. So, there you go. Touche. Um, so, you know, it's not like we're trying to hide behind this. Oh, oh this is just how I think. It's like, no, some of it is because we're Spurs fans and it's Kyle Anderson. So, of course, we're going to side with him. That's just how sports is. Yeah, but at the same time, I've seen way too many times when someone should have gone a foul and because they didn't sell the contact, they didn't get it. And I'm saying for every single team. For every player. And I think that's part of why the wikis don't get their calls. Because they don't sell contact. Like why? For the longest time, everyone's like, why doesn't he get superstar calls? And it's, oh, because he doesn't sell contact. And while Kawhi doesn't really sell contact that much anymore, like he still doesn't really sell contact that much. But he starts doing just enough selling of the contact to get those calls now. And the fact that Kawhi has to do that is kind of proof on how embellishing contact has become not only allowed, but expected and kind of necessary in order to get fouls these days. Right, yeah, and it's just interesting because I think there was some other stuff similar to that going on right now, like with, uh, I think it was Christoph Porzingis, the Knicks, there you go, so I was like, the Knicks dude, the Porzingis, how yeah. Could you ever forget about, how could you forget about Christoph's? I don't know, I just can't remember his name, like it was there, the face was there, I knew it was the Knicks dude, but I couldn't, you for just, some reason the name wouldn't come out. I don't understand how you could forget about Porzingis. No, the point is, like, apparently there was some weird stuff going on over there. I haven't been paying too much attention to him and the Knicks because they're the Knicks. Sorry. But apparently that's a thing, too. So, you know, we'll be curious to see whether this is a you – know, this is a couple of instances. We'll be curious to see if this suddenly becomes the flop endemic, calling it now. If that's if it ends up happening, that's what's going to start being – Headlines. I mean, we had the rest epidemic last time, so. Well, if the flop epidemic happens and they crack down on it, say goodbye to, <laughs> say goodbye to, to James Harden's uh amazing free throw pre- uh, free throw line percentage because half most of the time he gets that from selling contact. I haven't really watched too many of this season's Rockets games to be able to say that, but uh, I'm saying histor- previous seasons, I'm talking yeah. historically. Historically, no and doubt. I would assume that he's doing more of that because they got rid of the, what's it called, um, jumping into players. Right. Was the other way he got it. And they did add the Zaza role. I could see him taking advantage of that. Yeah. So, it, I'm just saying that's part of his game. So, I could see that hurting his game if they were to try to crack down on that. Yeah. Anything else around the league you want to talk about? Do you think that's about it? Well, I think it's time to talk about the Timberwolves game. What do you think about that? Okay, so the Timberwolves game is the next one. It's on tonight. Um, it's on Fox Sports Southwest at uh, 7 o'clock. Be sure to record it this time. I already did. Don't worry. Cool. Um, 
I'm curious to see how we match up with them. We're going to be at their house, so it'll be interesting to see. Unfortunately, I think Kawhi's still out, so, you know, um, yeah. that's that. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because of how the teams have pretty much gotten better since the opener. It'll be interesting to see as to where we are. Uh, I still feel good about the chances despite the fact that we are on a back-to-back -back because of how good we play. I still feel confident about that. Uh, if we do lose, it will be. I'm not going to be too disappointed because one back to back, two both teams have gotten better. But yeah, I'm still confident that the Spurs can pull it out. No, I'm sure they can pull it out. I just, you know, they've gotten better, and even though we've gotten better, we've also not been playing as well as we did when we first played against them, just due to the nature of you know the bumps in the roads. Uh, I do think that we got a good chance at beating them, but. I would be more confident if we didn't have if we didn't have such a weird game with the Mavericks. Like if that was a blowout, I would be more confident, but it wasn't, so I could see them stealing one from us just because we don't have Kawhi. I could see it actually helping because it tells them, Hey, don't rest on your loyals on your laurels or whatever the phrasing is because um you just faced the worst team in the West, and you only beat them by six. So you're facing a much better team who is currently probably going to be a playoff team. So get at them. Play hard. Right. So I am curious to see where this game goes and what happens with it. It's also the second game of a back-to-back, -back, so who knows. Maybe Pop will just rest everybody and get fined. Probably. I mean, hopefully not, but... Finding part, I mean, if he wants to West the players, West them as much as you want, but don't get fined, please. Speaking of Kawhi, didn't um, Pop say that he will be coming around sooner rather than later? Yeah, he did. So hopefully that means he'll be coming around within the uh, next week and a half or so. Hopefully, because we're already halfway through November and he still hasn't shown up. So I'm I'm starting to, starting to get a little worried, man. Maybe he'll, he'll show up around Thanksgiving. Because, you know, we have to get him in soon because we need to reintegrate him with plenty of time to get full steam ahead once we hit um, the playoffs. Because while we both agree that Tony and Kawhi are huge impacts, Kawhi's a bigger impact than Tony, at least in terms of integrating him because he's the best player on our team. Tony's, he used to be the best player. That was like six years ago. Now he's... He's a, he's a key player. He's our best playmaker. He sets up everybody else. But everyone else can still kind of work without him. And while we're working fine without Kawhi, if we don't integrate him well, then kiss the championship possibilities goodbye. Now, I do think we'll integrate him well, but I do think that we'll need a little time before it truly Yes, but you, what you also got to remember is this is going to be the Timberwolves game tonight is going to be game 15 of an 82 game season. There's even if he doesn't come back for another what five to ten more games, that would still only be 20 to 25 games of an 82 game season. There's still that would leave roughly at least 50 game or 50 plus games left to integrate him, which is more than enough time. Right, but once you get past that 20-game mark, he will have missed a quarter of the season, dude. Yeah, I know, but just because... He, sure, that means he's not going to win MVP. 
Excuse me. It's not about MVP. It's about you know missing a core of the season. That's a core of the season where you could have used to mesh and gel. Yeah, he's still been at practice and whatnot, so there, that's a plus there. But still, practice and scrimmages are not the same as real games. But this is where the Spurs' amazing continuity comes in. The majority of this team is the same from last year as it is this year. And the majority of that team was the same from the year before. Exactly. So he's been playing, so the majority of the team, he's been playing with already. He already has joked with them. He's joked with the Marcus. He knows how to play with Patty and Kawhi and, I mean, and Kyle and Tony and Manu and Danny. And he even has a, already has a year with DeJounte and Bren. The only people he hasn't played with, really, I mean, he's had a year with Powell. The only people he hasn't played with, really, are Joffrey and Brandon Paul and Rudy Gay. Those are, like, the only three players that are in the rotation decisively in the rotation that he hasn't played with. And if you only have three players who need to adjust with one who's going to three, all of them are bench players and one who's probably going to be his relief squad person so he's not going to really be playing with them too much to begin with except for smaller lineups which they can easily gel with then I don't really have much of a problem because yeah he doesn't have 20 games to make it a little bit more consistency but considering the same is already you know consistent with him to begin with, I don't see that as much of a problem. I mean, I can see that, and I'm not, like, saying that it's, you know, we're getting past 20 games and suddenly it's not going to work. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I'm starting to get a little bit concerned now. That's all. I, I still think they're going to pull it out. I still trust them. But now's the time when I start to get a little unsure, and, you know, as soon as he shows up and they start playing great, then they'll all be gone. But, you know, that's, that's how it is when you're a sports fan, you know? Yeah, but this is when you have to consider the greatness of the individual player. Because basketball is a team sport, but it requires the greatness of individual players to allow them to, to allow the teams to be better. And the greatness of Kawhi, even if he doesn't have the same consistency, uh, same, uh, not consistency, the same gelling with the team as the other players who have played with each other longer, he's, his greatness and his um, personality, his selflessness, will allow him to be able to continue to play well and use his tools to aid the team. I mean, because he's still going to play well, even without that that, that um, same, uh, you know, without the same amount of time as that the others have had to play together, he still is a plus. No one can deny that. And because he is a plus, if anything, yeah, he's not going to have as much time, but just because they don't have to integrate Kawhi, integrating Kawhi into this offense, is going to be easier than, let's say, you have to reintegrate LaMarcus. Let's say it was LaMarcus who was out, and not Kawhi. We would be in a different situation. Because people were saying, well, will LaMarcus be able to get past his ego because he's, of all the things we've had? Will LaMarcus be able to get back into the game? Be able to be able to convert and be able to play alongside Kawhi as a sidekick? This way now, it's, it's can LaMarcus continue playing the way he has been playing because he's been playing amazing? And will Kawhi, and will Kawhi be able to gel well? We already know that he's going to play well. It's just where we gel well. And history has shown that Kawhi can gel with anyone. So I'm not worried. Again, the only worry is the worry we've all had, which is can LaMarcus and Kawhi coexist? And I believe the answer is yes because of their play styles. Because LaMarcus, as long as you go, as long as you get LaMarcus the ball, he is fine with passing it. He is fine with giving it to others. He just wants to have his touches in the post. Just give him his touches, give him, give him early, give him often. And then once he has it going, then you can give it to others and just go back to him when you need him to. That's all you need to do with the Marcus. 
Right. Speaking of Lamarcus, actually, this is something I want to bring up real quick. I haven't seen this much now, recently, but, you know, every once in a while it pops up, and we saw this a lot in the early, early parts of the season, back when we only played two or three games. Lamarcus has been playing well. Really well. And I 42 points, bro. I remember making the joke. It was either during, I know for sure this game, but I feel like I made the joke earlier in the season, back in October as well, about, oh yeah, He's playing like it's a contract year. Wait, didn't we extend that like before the season started? Three years. So that was always the joke because we were. I remember everyone was saying, "Well, it's a contract year, so Lamarcus should be playing well." Then we played that. Then we got did the extension, and it's like, well, there goes the contract year. Because you know, you always want to play well with contract year because you're becoming a free agent. You want people to give you more money. So with that extension, and yet he's still playing as if it's contract year. Or at least with the quality you'd expect from a contract year. Even though it's not, he signed the extension. So, the next question is, and this is what a lot of people are saying. I want to know your opinion. Especially, I'm like I said, I haven't seen it a whole lot recently. I saw it, but it, it still pops up every once in a while. It was more earlier in the season, but it still does kind of pop up. And that question is, are we grooming LaMarcus to be a trade piece? No. Why? We signed him to an extension after... We pop and him had a heart to heart. If this was meant to be a trade piece, they would probably have signed the extension, and he probably wouldn't be playing. I mean, he would be playing well, but he wouldn't be playing with that same intensity. And most importantly, if you look at him when he's on the bench, look at him his interactions with the team. He looks genuinely happy. He is smiling and laughing and making jokes. There was this one moment, I think it was with him and Rudy Gay when they were on the bench during the I think it was the Bulls game where you know they make it, they made a joke to laughing and you know they they're messing with each other on the bench in a playful banner. And I saw it in the corner I'm like, what are they doing? We rewind it, we pause like I have no idea what they're doing. I wanna know the concept of what they're doing because they just look like they're generally happy and having fun. You wouldn't be having fun with a team that you know you're going to be leaving in a year or maybe later. This is Marcus buying in and Pop saying you're right. I kind of messed up by trying to force you into the system. You are play your style, and you play well with your style. So rather than trying to force you to play this style, I'm going to force our style to play well with your style. He is going to play him the way he allowed Monage Nobody to be played, which is you do you, we'll fit our system around how you do you, so that you can do you and we can do us, so that we and you are the same. And I would actually agree with that, because... When you look at how he used to play with the Blazers and how he plays now, he's hitting all the same spots and the same moves, but there's a lot more Spurs Spurs offense going on there. He's throwing out of the double and triple team better. He's taking the shots and hitting them. He's taking the shots, and yeah, he's kind of missing them, but then the other guys get the rebounds and swing it around, and then they get a three-point shot. He's taking three-point shots, something he never did in Portland. Mm-hmm. And... So yeah, I do agree that he's completely bought in, and I, I also don't think that the trade piece thing has any merit to it, but I do have to bring it up because every once in a while you see it, every once in a while someone entertains the notion, and you know, it's one of those things where what if what if he was a trade piece, and what if they did trade him? I don't think that's the case because he's been treated too much as a focal point of the offense, especially with Kawhi being out. It would be wrong to trade him this season after everything that's happened so far. Especially because there's no reason to trade him right now. He's playing great. He's not got an ego. And he's 
got that intensity like when he earlier in the Mavs game him when was it shoot I can't remember how to pronounce the game name it started with an M it was like Nigeria or something his first name was Saw yeah I can't remember how to pronounce his last name and I don't like speaking foreign last names without knowing how to pronounce them because that just doesn't feel right so I'm sorry Mavs center power forward guy uh, but you know they got into that little scuffle and he had that you know that intensity you know a little bit of that fire, yeah, it's a little unspurs-like, but every every team needs an enforcer, don't you think? Yeah, and I mean, some would say it's unspurs-like, but truth be told, it's not. It's not unspurs-like to have a fire. It's unspurs-like to get in fights, and Lamarcus doesn't get in fights. Does he get annoyed? Yeah, but guess what? If you go back and watch some footage, even Timmy and David Robinson got annoyed and got in uh, his fair share of face-to-face. Granted, it was few and far between, but the thing is that I remember there was one face-to-face, I can't remember who it was, but something happened and the animal got in his face and he was mad and everyone was like, whoa, David Robinson is is getting face-to-face with someone. He must, like, person must have done something wrong because it's David Robinson, but even David Robinson had that file. The file isn't isn't what makes unsupposed. Like, it's, it's getting, it's essentially pushing it too far, and what Lamarcus did in this game, in this one, shows me that he is a swirl, because, yeah, he gave a shove because he was annoyed, but he walked away. After the shove, he literally went and walked all the way to the other side of the court. He didn't get in his face like he did like he did with Sword. He walked away. Sure, he got a tech, but hey, he won the game, but hey, after he got, after the person made the tech free throw, guess what happened? He went at the guy and got two points. Not to mention... DeJounte Murray was with him when he walked off again. So, there's that. Exactly. So, yes, does he have a fire? He does have a fire to him. But I wouldn't say that makes him unspoiled. Like, I say that just shows how much he wants to, to play well now. Because he has that fire. That fire isn't a isn't something that because, oh, he's a thug. No, that fire is because, man, this guy is riling me up. I gotta play better. I gotta go at him. I gotta show him what I'm made of. And boy, did he show us what he's made of because he got 32 points. In fact, I would say that that's probably why he's playing. He played as well as he did in the game because, like you said, he did start off slow. But that did happen a little bit early on to the game, and that pretty much woke him up and unleashed him. I I made the joke while we were watching it, but it's true. It's almost as if how to wake up Lamarcus, have him get in a in a mini scuffle. Sure, he won't get. Sure, he might get attacked, but oh boy, he'll play well for that game. So, in conclusion, LaMarcus Aldridge is here to stay, and we love him all the same. And if you don't, deal with it. Alright, um, I think that's about wraps it up. Is there anything else you think we should talk about? Uh, no, because we've already done, you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, look at, uh, look forward to the next game. So, I think we're pretty much good. It's a shorter episode, but that's because, uh, it was a one quick, simple game where the ending was pretty much already a foregone conclusion. I do like we said we don't really like how it was a little bit closer than we want it to be, but it is what it is. You know, it's it's basketball. It's the se- regular season. Good luck, Spurs against. But good luck, Spurs against the T-Pups. Yep. All right. Any last things to say? As always, go Spurs, go. Go Spurs, go. See you next time.